What up, yo? It's Mark Shanup with the Fantasy Knockout Fantasy Football Show. Today it's Saturday, October 31st, episode number 131. I'm on Twitter at Fantasy Knockout. We're also on Instagram at Fantasy underscore Knockout. I am excited for today's show. It is Halloween. It is the start sit for week eight show. Who are we feeling confident about this week? Who are we worried about? Um, I've been super busy this past week. My folks are coming to visit from Texas and uh, Michelle, she's decided she wants to paint the inside of the house and get it all nice and spruced up for them. So all my free time is now painting for the next few weeks. Announcements. All right, the hashtag knockout giveaway. You have until December 6th to get in all your entries for this signed Devontae Adams jersey. Are you looking for accurate rankings? Well, week seven, I was 48th, so much better. Woohoo, yay. Um, then for the season, we are currently 70th, so getting better. I am confident this week that we're going to nail, nail this week. So if you have a question for the show, uh, head over to fantasyknockout.com for all your fantasy football needs. Thursday night recap, it was Atlanta versus Carolina, and it was somewhat of a good game. Matt Ryan, he uh, was connecting with Julio from the start, and he, they settled for like two field goals, and then Carolina was able to score a touchdown and convert another one off of an inter- interception, and they were up like 14-6, to six, and I think like Matt Ryan then scrambled for a 13-yard touchdown, and I think Atlanta also gets a field goal right before half, making it like 16-14. to 14. And then after halftime, it looked like Carolina just kind of started stalling some. Atlanta was getting better. Uh, they were blitzing better, getting uh, pressure on Bridgewater. Then they, you know, they swapped some field goals, and Gurley, he finds the end zone, making it 25-17. to Atlanta, like, they punt the ball with five minutes left in the game, and here you go. You just know that Atlanta's going to blow this. Carolina starts moving the ball down the field, and then with about two minutes left, Bridgewater, he throws up an interception. And Atlanta seals the deal, and they win 25-17. to So player stats, Matt Ryan, he did okay. 281 yards, no passing touchdowns, an interception, 27 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown for 18.94 points. Gurley had an okay day. He found the end zone, 46 yards and a touchdown for 10.6 points. Julio was the best player on Atlanta. Seven receptions for 137 yards for 17.2 points. Calvin Ridley, 33 receptions for 42 yards for 5.7 points before he got hurt. Hayden Hurst did okay, 5 receptions, 54 yards for 7.9 points. Then Carolina Bridgewater, not so good. Uh, I know he was quite a bit of people's streams for this week. 176 yards, 1 TD, 1 interception, 30 yards rushing for 13.04 points. Mike Davis did okay, 66 yards, 1 reception for 11 yards for 8.2. Curtis Samuel was the Stud on Carolina. uh, Let's see, he had 23 yards rushing, one rushing touchdown, four receptions for 31 yards, and a receiving touchdown for 19.4 points. Robbie Anderson did okay, five receptions, 48 yards for 7.3 points. And DJ Moore, he did okay, two receptions, 55 yards for 6.5 points. Let's talk some news. News with views. As I mentioned before, wide receiver Calvin Ridley... Of the Atlanta Falcons, he has a mid to foot sprain. 
Uh, so, you know, he did leave halfway through the game. Uh, the team hopes to have him back shortly. That's in air quotes. Um, one would assume that he's going to miss next week, which is week nine. And then the team has their buy in week 10. So week 11 would be when he would be ready to go. Uh, then running back Tevin Coleman from the 49ers. The team is, quote, hopeful he will be available for Sunday's game. Uh, he was given a heavy workload in practice this week. So barring any setback, he should he should return this Sunday. Uh, with Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson both on IR, Jarek McKinnon needing rest for his, quote, tired legs, uh, Jamichael Hasty should also be in for some work, too. Uh, and then wide receiver Julian Edelman out of New England, he is likely to be placed on the injured reserve with a bone-on-bone knee injury. That's not good. All right. In and out. All right, so these guys are all injury question marks for this week, and it is my guess and not guess, my take on whether they're going to be in or are they going to be out, and who should we start them or should we flex them? Should we sit them? What should we do? We got quite a bit of running backs to go over. First one is Chris Carson out of Seattle. He's dealing with a foot injury. He is a game time decision. I think he's, I think he's going to play, kind of like uh, what happened earlier uh, in the year where. We thought he was going to miss, and Hyde was going to be the one to pick up and play, and Carson ended up starting. Um, Speaking of Carlos Hyde, same team out of Seattle. He's got the hamstring injury. He's a game-time decision as well. I think he is out. Frank Gore of the New York Jets, he's got a hand issue. He's a a game-time decision. He's going to be in. Philip Lindsay out of Denver, he's battling with a concussion. He's going to be in. You can flex him if you need him. Miles Sanders out of Philadelphia, knee issue. He's out. Devontae Freeman from the Giants with an ankle injury. He's out. Mark Ingram in Baltimore with an ankle injury. He's out. So Gus Edwards, nice pickup there if you need a start. Aaron Jones out of Green Bay with the calf injury. He's out. So Jamal Williams. Uh, Joe Mixon in Cincinnati. He's got the foot injury. He's out. So get um, Giovanni Bernard. Dalvin Cook out of Minnesota with the groin injury. He's going to be in. Start him. And then some tight ends, Tyler Higby out of uh, the Rams. He's got the hand issue. He is in, but you're going to want to sit him. I don't trust him going forward right now. Some wideouts, John Brown out of Buffalo. He's got the knee injury. He is in. You can flex uh, You can flex him. Michael Thomas out of New Orleans, the hamstring and ankle injury. He is out. Allen Robinson out of Chicago with a concussion. He is out. Jamison Crowder with the Jets. He's got the groin injury. He is out. Debo Samuel with the Niners. He's got a hamstring injury. He is out. Nikhil Harry out of New England with a concussion. He is out. Alshon Jeffrey in Philadelphia with a foot issue. He is out. Sammy Watkins in Kansas City. He's got a hamstring injury. He is out. Oh, my goodness. A lot of guys are out. And then the quarterbacks, Andy Dalton out of Dallas. Concussion. He is out. Whew. That was a lot. <laughs> you guys ready to move on? Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Main event. All right, so teams on by this week is Washington, Arizona, Jacksonville, and Houston. So make sure you get those guys out of your lineups. Don't give away free zeros to your team, to your fellow guys that you're playing against. Um Let's talk start sit. So we'll just hit right into it. So quarterbacks, uh, quarterbacks I like, Justin Herbert. What a mediocre rise it's been for Herbert, who's now finished as the quarterback seven, 
quarterback four, and quarterback one over his last three games. He's completing 67.4% of his passes, averaging 8.4 yards per attempt, and throwing a touchdown on every 6.5% of his attempts. Oh, he's also rushed for 121 yards and two touchdowns in five games. Can he continue the magic against the Broncos, a defense that's allowed the 11th most fantasy points to quarterbacks through seven weeks? Herbert has proven himself to the point where you can start him. Even if the matchup isn't great on paper, he's a stable quarterback one. And then my other quarterback is Joe Burrow out of Cincinnati. Burrow has finished as a top 12 quarterback outside of two shootouts against Cleveland. However, he's reached 300 passing yards five times and leads the NFL in both passing attempts at 293 and completions at 193. The opposing Titans rank 26 in passing defense while allowing 25.5 points per contest despite their 5-1 record. Uh, Vegas expects another high-scoring affair at Tennessee. This, uh, this bout currently matches Green Bay and Minnesota for Week's 8 highest consensus over under line at 54.5. Quarterbacks to sit is Matthew Stafford. He keeps falling short of expectations in golden matchups. Um, each of Detroit's last three opponents is now among the bottom six of fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. He's averaged a passable 18 fantasy points in that span, which isn't as impressive during a season in which 20 signal callers have at least 19 points per game. Stafford would have finished outside the week's top 20 quarterbacks for the second straight week if Todd Gurley didn't accidentally score a touchdown. Uh, Following the least fruitful fantasy output of any passer has offered against Atlanta all season, Stafford goes from facing the NFL's second-worst passing defense to the second-best in Indianapolis. Wow, that was a mouthful. (laughs) Baker Mayfield is the other quarterback I'm sitting Riding high off a five-touchdown explosion, Mayfield now faces the Raiders' defense that has tied the Chargers for the third-most fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks per game. Before Week Seven stellar outing, however, the former number one pick had not finished a week at quarterback 15 or higher, placing quarterback 20 or worst all but once. He started last Sunday's clash with his seventh interception of the season, prompt Twitter to flood with regrettable calls to benching Mayfield for Case Keenum. And although it certainly didn't hamper him against the Bengals, losing Odell Beckham Jr. for the season doesn't help his long-term prognosis. Running backs to start. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So CEH, he ranks second in the NFL with 33 broken tackles. Yes, the Chiefs added Bell to the backfield, but it's not due to Edwards Hilaire not being able to carry the workload. In Bell's first game, the split in opportunities was CEH 12 and Bell 6. It was an odd game in the snow, so we can't really take too much away from it. I'm sure that Bell would love to stick it to his old team this week, but will Andy Reid give him a bigger role to do so? Uh, The Jets were a solid run defense last year. Though this team looks like they've simply given up on the season and have now allowed 90-plus rushing yards to three different running backs, so you should still be starting him as a low-end running back one, high-end running back two this week. And then Kareem Hunt is my other running back. It was good to see Hunt find the end zone last week as he's still yet to top 86 yards on the ground or 26 yards through the air. That's kind of crazy, right? 
His season high is 102 total yards. Will that change this week? The Raiders are allowing their opponents 1.67 fantasy points per offensive play, which ranks as the second highest mark in the NFL. Even better, running backs are scoring 9.2 more fantasy points than quarterbacks against them, which is the ninth largest gap in football. They've allowed a rushing touchdown every 15 carries, which is more often than any other team. And it's allowed three running backs to walk away with multiple rushing touchdowns. He should be locked in as a solid running back one who has number one upside this week. And then running backs to sit, DeAndre Swift. Uh, He made good on a cushy matchup against Atlanta because of a touchdown. But none of the warning signs have vanished. You know, a modest 45% snap represented a season high who posted just 48 total yards on 13 touches. He ran for 116 yards against the Jags, but now tallied 69 rushing yards in all other games combined. Swift is unlikely to do much on the ground against the NFL's third-ranked running defense, and he's not posted to contribute significantly as a receiver either. Unlike the Falcons, the Colts have seeded just 27 catches for 178 yards, two running backs in six games. And then Joshua Kelly is my other running back I'm sitting this week. 17 touches should be plenty against the Jags, but Kelly produced just 53 yards. The rookie has done little since Austin Eckler went down, delivering 100 total yards in the last three games. Furthermore, he hasn't scored a touchdown since week one. Neither Kelly nor Justin Jackson is anything more than a flex play while sharing responsibilities. That's especially the case against the Broncos, who have contained opposing running backs to the second fewest fantasy points per game. All right, some wideouts to uh, start. So we're going to go with Brandon Ayuk out of uh, San Francisco. So even at full strength, Ayuk would merit consideration against Seattle's defense, siphoning an unseemingly 368.7 passing yards per game. With Debo now expected to miss the game due to an ankle injury, starting the rookie is an even easier call. Ayuk exploded for 70 receiving yards, 31 rushing yards, and a score on eight touches when Samuel was last sidelined in week three. Last week, Ayuk manufactured 115 receiving yards and 73.4% of San Francisco's targets in the air. He'll now get plenty of opportunity to burn the NFL's worst passing defense downfield. And then my other wideout I'm going to start is Deontay Johnson out of uh, Pittsburgh. So health is the only thing that can stop Johnson. Injuries cut both his week three and week five games short. He also injured his ankle in week seven, but not until catching nine of 15 targets for 80 yards and a touchdown. In three relatively complete games, Johnson has 23 receptions for 229 yards and three touchdowns. He's seen double-digit targets every single time. While their reputation remains in check, the Ravens have already permitted strong showings to Terry McLaurin, Tyreek Hill, Brandon Cooks, and Travis Fulgham this season. So when on the field, Johnson is Ben Roethlisberger's premier wide receiver. And then wide else to sit, we're going to go CeeDee Lamb. So Lamb, he kind of blossomed into a weekly must-start alongside Dak Prescott. Even in a full game with Andy Dalton, the rookie snagged 7 of 11 targets for 64 yards in Week 6. So last Sunday, however, he suffered a goose egg in an embarrassing 25-3 loss to Washington. Andy Dalton suffered a concussion on a late hit, so he's unlikely to suit up this this week. 
it's tough to trust any pass catching, <laughs> anyone catching passes from Ben Nadushi. Uh, then Devontae Parker's my other uh, wideout I'm going to sit. So Parker was far from a set and forget it option in tandem with Ryan Fitzpatrick. So let's not gamble on any instant rapport with Tua Tagovailoa, making this an easy, even easier choice. The Rams have re- relinquished the second fewest fantasy points per game to wide receivers. No opposing wideout has exceeded 70 receiving yards since week three. All right, then tight end uh, starts I like is Rob Gronkowski. Uh, Since he was a frequent resident of the sit section early in the season, it's only fair to acknowledge Gronk's his rejuvenation. In addition to finding the end zone in back-to-back games, he's also caught five of eight targets each time. Gronk worked off the rust just as O.J. Howard went down with a season-ending injury. And Tom, and Tom Brady has even more incentive to seek out his long-time safety valve now that Chris Godwin won't be available Monday night. And then the other tight end I like this week is Jimmy Graham. Facing his former squad uh, could pay dividends for Graham. The Saints have surrendered 12.6 fantasy points per game to tight ends. However, you're ultimately just crossing your fingers for a touchdown. Despite drawing a healthy six targets per game, Graham has yet to record more than six fantasy points in a game without reaching pay dirt. Uh, with, Robin, with Allen Robinson out, he should be seeing more targets than usual. And then tight ends I'm fading this week is Mike Gesicki. Over the last two games, Gesicki has totaled eight targets and turned them into five receptions for 91 yards and zero touchdowns. Meanwhile, Adam Shaheen and Durham Smith have combined for eight targets and turned them into seven receptions for 88 yards and three touchdowns. This is not good news. Gesicki should be a low tight end one this week. And then my other tight end I'm fading this week is Evan Ingram. You can't say the Giants have been trying to get him the ball, as he's averaging 6.3 targets per game, and they've even given him multiple carries in two of the last three games. He's totaled at least 9.5 PPR points in four of seven games, which is a bit more stable than most realize, though he's yet to score more than 12.5 PPR points. So the ceiling has been non-existent. The Bucks have allowed the 11th fewest fantasy points to tight ends, giving up 6.8 yards per target, which is 22nd. They're a below-average matchup. With the lack of a run game, we should expect another game of like six-plus targets for Ingram, which keeps him in that high-end tight end two conversation. Starts of the week. Quarterback Ryan Tannehill. Despite being in a very tough matchup against the Steelers, Tannehill did what he's done ever since he took over the Titans' starting job and gave fantasy managers a a rock-solid floor. He's now scored at least 17.3 fantasy points in 14 of 16 starts with the Titans. Keep in mind that he's done all this while Derrick Henry has led the league in rushing. The Bengals have allowed the... the combination of Baker Mayfield and Phillip Rivers to throw 668 yards and eight touchdowns over the last two weeks. And it only took them 72 passing attempts to get there. Tannehill should be in fantasy lineups as a quarterback one almost every week. And this one is no exception. My other quarterback is Carson Wentz. So Wentz is the quarterback seven on the season, posting at least 22 fantasy points in four of his last five games with 19 in the outlier. 
It may not be pretty, but he's getting the job done by attempting 39.7 passes per game and scoring five rushing touchdowns. Cores facing the Cowboys helps in week eight. Uh, while Dallas is far more vulnerable against the run, Boston Scott is he's not built to carry the ball 20 plus times in place of Miles Sanders. Despite his depleted supporting cast, Wentz is a top 10 play this Sunday. Running back start of the week is Jonathan Taylor out of Indianapolis. So Taylor's yards per carry, he's he's doing all right, but we expected a little bit more out of this rookie who broke records at Wisconsin. Why isn't he generating more behind this great offensive line? Well, it doesn't help that he's broken just 11 tackles on 105 total touches, which is one of the worst rates in the league. Taylor hasn't lived up to his expectations, but this is another week he should post low-end running back one numbers. Then my other running back is Melvin Gordon. Gordon could have the backfield largely to himself against his former squad. Philip Lindsay is in the league's concussion protocol. We're not sure if he's going to play. In three full games without Lindsay, Gordon has totaled 240 yards and three touchdowns on 60 touches. Since Lindsay left in Week 7's blowout, um, Gordon contributed 80 yards and a touchdown despite coughing up two fumbles. The former Chargers running back suffered his only unproductive outing against the, a tremendous Tampa Bay rushing defense. He's a higher grade running back too if Lindsay sits, but he's a strong flex play if they're sharing reps. My wide receiver start of the week is Travis Fulgram. Since entering the starting lineup, Fulgram has totaled 34 targets in three games. That's elite volume that rivals the best in the game. He's done a lot with those targets too, racking up 21 receptions for 300 yards and two touchdowns. Keep in mind that two of those games were against the Steelers and Ravens. Meanwhile, the Cowboys defense has been among the most generous in the NFL. They've allowed 10 different wide receivers to pile up 14.5 plus PPR points, which is the mark it took to finish as a wide receiver two or better last year. Fulgram should be considered a low-end wide receiver two with upside for this week. My other wideout is T. Higgins out of Cincinnati. So despite seeing 15 fewer targets than A.J. Green on the season, Higgins has totaled 113 more yards and three more touchdowns than him. Higgins has also scored at least 10.2 PPR points in each of his last five games. There have already been 13 wideouts who've totaled at least 10.7 PPR points against Tennessee this year. So when you combine that for Higgins' floor, you have yourself a strong wide receiver three this week. Start of the week uh, at the tight end position is Richard Rodgers out of Philadelphia. With both Zacherts and Dallas Goddard out of the lineup, Rodgers played as a primary tight end against the Giants, and he delivered. All in all, he played 69 of 81 snaps, saw eight targets, and netted six receptions for 85 yards and zero touchdowns on them. We know how important the tight ends are in a Doug Peterson offense, so we shouldn't be all that surprised. The Cowboys have allowed 40 yards and a touchdown to six different tight ends this year. Rodgers is someone you should consider as a mid-tight end one. My other tight end start of the week is Jonu Smith. Now, it's not the time to bail on him, who submitted just one reception in each of his last two games. The Titans limited his snaps in week six after injuring his ankle the previous week. While his playing time kind of resurfaced last Sunday, he simply had a dud against a stingy Steelers defense. His 
fortune should change amongst the Bengals, as only the Falcons have permitted more fantasy points to tight ends. In Cincinnati's last three weeks, Mark Andrews, Trey Burton, and Harrison Bryant have respectively finished as tight end three, tight end three, and tight end one. This should be a major bounce back spot for Janu. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today. The next show is week nine waiver wire ads. I want to say thank you for listening to the show. Make sure to subscribe. Whatever platform you're on, please leave a rating and review. It really helps us out. Also, don't forget to visit fantasyknockout.com for all your fantasy football needs. All right. Till next time. See ya. See ya.